Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Abigail Dodds on what it means to be a gospel-centered woman. Abigail is a wife, mama to five, a seminary student, and author of the newly released book, Atypical Women. We talk about what it means to be a Christian woman, how the Bible informs us on this topic, the implications of embracing who we are, and how it's all a good gift from God. Whether you're a single woman or a married woman, with or without kids, This conversation is for you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie. Hello, hello. So Stephanie and I have both recently had the privilege of reading a brand new book that just came out. It's called A Typical Woman by Abigail Dodds, and we'll put that book in our show notes for you. It's a book that we highly recommend, and in this book, Abigail talks about what it means to be a Christian woman, and you know, she really points out to us that being a woman is really a beautiful thing because it's what God made us to be, and so it's not something that we should try and overcome, but that it's really something to rejoice in. Yeah, and we're really excited to dive into this topic with Abigail because essentially what she is going to talk to us about is what it means to be a gospel-centered woman or a Christian woman in this world today. And Mm -hmm. I really love how the whole premise of her book is really focusing on our union with Christ. So first and foremost, it's about being a Christian. You know, whether God made you a man or a woman, um, your primary identity is Jesus. Um, And as we, men and women, we are all image bearers and reflect the nature of Christ. Obviously not perfectly because we sin, but, you know, we still have the blessing of being able to reflect Christ. the nature of God and his image. So um, that's a blessing to rejoice in and embrace. But as men and women, you know, we are also distinct. um, And that's a beautiful thing too. And we can embrace it and enjoy it. But just realizing that, you know, when we come together in our distinctness, um, we can better and more fully reflect God and his nature. So Hmm. a quote that we really loved from her book was this. She says, We matter because God made us women in his image with all the complexities and overlap that entails. Fully woman, fully valuable, fully his. Yeah, I love that quote. And so with that, we would like to invite Abigail Dodds onto our show today. Abigail is a wife to Tom of 16 years, a stay-at-home mama to five kids, and the author of the newly released book, A Typical Woman. She's also a regular contributor to Desiring God, a seminary student, and an active participant in her women's ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church. So Abigail, thank you so much for your ministry and for being willing to come on Daily Grace today to talk about the important topic of what it means to be a Christian woman. Oh, this is so much fun. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, we are so grateful to have you on and to speak on the important topic of biblical womanhood. Um, Joanna and I had the pleasure of reading your book this past month, and so we were really looking forward to chatting with you on this topic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But before we do, we would love our listeners to kind of get to know you a little better. I know we gave kind of a snapshot Mm -hmm. of who you are, but do you mind sharing maybe what an average day looks like for you? Yeah, that's a... That's a tricky question um, because my (laughs) days are all pretty different from one another because of the different ages of our kids and just our current life stage. Um, And so I was trying to think of what are the things that never change from day to day. And I would say those things are, I'm always with my family in some form or another. Um, I'm almost always working at home doing very normal things, making meals, laundry, Um, I'm studying most every day because I'm a student um, at Bethlehem Seminary, and I'm driving a lot. (laughs) So those are sort of the the never-changing elements of my days. Right. Yeah. And okay, so this is is pretty funny. We both realized, Stephanie and I, as we were, you know, reading your book and hearing about your kids and everything, that all three of us have a daughter named Eliana. Isn't that crazy? Oh, awesome. Isn't that, isn't isn't that funny? It's such name? an uncommon name. Yeah. <laughs> when we heard it, my husband especially was like, we are naming our next daughter that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. It's the only name that we had and we named her before she was born. Usually we kind of oh, wow. waited till right towards the end or right after they were born. But that one we knew right at the get go. <laughs> so do you call her, do you call her Ellie or does she go by Eliana or... She's Eliana. Um, her nickname, um, I don't think she'll mind me saying this. Her nickname is Yaya, um, which I think was just because maybe her siblings, that's what came out. Yaya, Eliana, mm-hmm. kind of. So, oh. and that has stuck. Yeah, I think I think my Eliana gets called Nana a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Joanna and I had the privilege to re- read your book recently, and we really loved it. So we're thrilled to get to start this conversation with you and share it with our listeners. But can we start off our conversation by talking about what the Bible defines as Christian and woman, and then putting that together, being a Christian woman? Yes, yes. Well, a Christian is someone supernaturally born of God by faith Mm -hmm. in the saving work of Christ's perfect life, death, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the definition of a woman is just parallel to that. So a woman is someone made by God as a woman. That's it. Um, Hmm. We don't earn either status. It's very simple because we don't achieve either of those things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Um, We don't cause our own birth, neither (laughs) our spiritual birth or our natural birth. Both of those are complete works of God and he gets all the credit and all the glory and he gets to make the decisions. Like he's the decisive factor in both. So when he calls someone a woman, they're a woman. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what they do to try and change it. And when he calls someone a Christian, he creates what he calls. He equips what he creates. And so both are just works of God and they're parallel realities. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that in Genesis, you know, when God called Eve a woman, it wasn't dependent on her behavior or anything. Mm -hmm. He called her woman from the very beginning. And that is what made her a woman. (laughs) 
So I kind of want to lean into that a little bit more and Mm -hmm. ask, you know, what role does the knowledge of God's word have in our growth and our understanding of what it means to be a Christian woman? And, you know, I kind of was wondering specifically if you could touch on, you know, what what parts of the Bible do we as women go to in order to to know what it means to be a Christian woman? Mm, Yeah, that's great. Um, Knowledge of God's word. Is, is really everything. It has a gigantic role in our growth and maturity as Christian women. And my yeah. only caveat um, with the word knowledge is that, you know, in English, we have just the one word for knowing. So mm-hmm. knowing can be sort of accumulating facts, accumulating information, or knowing also could be knowing a person. Right. Like you, I know my husband. I know my children. Mm-hmm. Um other languages have two words to describe those two different ways of knowing. Right. And I would just want to say that in knowing the scriptures, we are seeking to know a person and mm-hmm. not just we're not just seeking to accumulate information or to be a Bible smarty pants. And so right. yeah. that's an important <laughs> caveat, I think, because as yeah. Bible literacy becomes prominent, which I am completely in support of, it's one of the most exciting, I think, movements of our time. Um, but mm-hmm. we have to recognize that there are some extremely Bible literate people out there who really hate God. Yeah. Um, and they absolutely. use their Bible literacy to twist his words. And women do this as well. And so, mm-hmm. um, as to the other part of your question, I think the whole Bible, all of it, equips us as mm-hmm. Christian women. And so, yeah. the whole Bible is aiming really at our full maturity in Christ, that mm-hmm. we would be grown up not infants in our thinking, not tossed to and fro by our feelings, but stable, sturdy, mature Christian women standing on a firm foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. But in saying that, that sounds awesome. We all, I think most Christian women love hearing that. I love hearing that. But we also have to talk about the parts of the Bible that are specifically directed at women. Mm -hmm. God has given us some specific instructions and he, he says them directly to us. And they are beautiful, helpful, not to be ignored parts of the Bible. And mm-hmm. uh, Christian women are marked by the fact that they want all of God's word. Uh, we don't yeah. want to ignore parts or cut parts off. And so we yeah. want to pay attention to when he looks us in the eyes and says, daughters, I have something to tell you. Mm-hmm. That's specific to you. It's not instructions for everyone. It's for you. And he does the same thing with men and with children and with different groups of people at different times. And so Mm -hmm. we just want to listen to all of it. Yeah. I think that there can be a tendency for a lot of women to kind of go one direction or the other to say, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to focus on the passages about women or to say, I'm going to ignore the passages about women because those don't really belong in my thinking. (laughs) And so I love, you know, that idea of looking to all of God's word and realizing that all of it, you know, he has given us everything we need in his word for life and godliness. And that means his whole word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and the fact that, you know, men, you know, he made male and female to reflect his image. And so, we need the whole of the Bible. Men and women were given dominion to rule over the earth. But mm-hmm. like you said, there is also a distinction. And I don't know. I think we should celebrate that. There's, It kind of reflects God's creativity. And, you know, I think you said this in your book. It's just like if we don't 
you know, look into those specific things that he says to women, we're not going to be able to really fully express and give glory to him the way that he intended us to. Um, Mm. So, and I really like the illustration you used in your book about, you know, say that your uncle wrote you a letter and all the nieces and nephews are coming and, you know, we are all intently listening to the letter, but when it says nieces or whatever, all the nieces would kind of perk up and listen even more intently um, Mm -hmm. to those specific, I don't know, that really just hit home for me because I was like, absolutely we would. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So kind of, I believe we got this question specifically from your book, um, but how would you say that our specific characteristics, maybe that's our bodies, our personalities, strengths and weaknesses, how could all of those things kind of act as a type of revelation from God for his purposes for us particularly? Mm-hmm. When God speaks, when he speaks things, things are created. His words are so powerful that when he speaks, things happen. He speaks in the earth and creation come into existence. And each one of us are a result of his creative speech. So Mm. he says, let there be. And there is (laughs) like, it's incredible. Uh, The other thing God does when he speaks is it's not just creative activity. He's actually pulling back the curtain and showing us who he is. Mm. He's revealing things about himself when he speaks. So when Mm, he made man and woman, he was revealing something about himself, about his works and ways, about what he values and why. And so Mm. I think we need to start by humbly asking why God might have made women the way he did. So just some very basic questions that are so obvious, so ridiculously obvious, but I truly believe have become obscured in the collective consciousness of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why did God give us wombs? Mm. That's that's a ridiculous question on its face, <laughs> but it's an important question. And if we don't talk to our daughters about this, Satan has blinded the mm. eyes of hmm. people that they don't even yeah. understand. They don't know the answer to this question. Why yeah. did he give us wombs? Hmm. Why did he make us smaller than men? Hmm. What is he trying to communicate to us? And so the answers are very simple, but wombs exist as homes for helpless growing babies. Yeah, That's why he gave them to us. And that natural revelation, sometimes we call these things God's natural revelation, Mm -hmm. they dovetail precisely with God's written revelation in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. So when God, through Paul, instructs women and he tells us to work and manage the home, that confuses a lot of women. But why would he do that? Mm. He actually made our bodies a home. So making a home for people is part of the reason for our existence. (laughs) And now I know I am not ignorant of the very painful questions swirling around when I say things like wombs are made for babies. Right. Because there are a lot of women who can't have children and women who are single and not by their choice. And so those make for a lot of hard questions that should not be ignored. But we also shouldn't not have the conversation about what wombs are for because we don't want to have the next conversation about why some women 
don't have a baby in their womb. Right. We've got to have both conversations because I think the Bible has answers for those really painful questions. Mm. And and the, the answer for them, and I don't mean this in any sort of a simplistic way, but the answer is Christ. Yeah. So sin has broken our bodies and it's made our relationships difficult. It's made some relationships impossible. Um, but in Christ, we see that he stoops low to be near to the brokenhearted and that mm. he himself experienced the curse of sin and he indeed became the curse of sin for us. So yeah. in Christ, we see that our weaknesses, our lack, our inability to have a body that works properly, that can carry a baby, mm. those lacks, those weaknesses often bring him more glory than our fullness. Yeah. And spiritually, he never deprives us, mm. never, mm. so that women who can't have a biological child are not denied spiritual mm. children. Yeah. And women who long to be married but aren't married are not denied entrance into the marriage supper of the Lamb. So yeah. the physical realities are really just pointers to better realities, but they do mean something. The physical realities mean something, and we shouldn't ignore what they mean. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, you know, I'm sure that we have a lot of women listening who maybe are single or who maybe, like you said, do struggle with infertility. And I'm just wondering, you know, how does that call to this mothering, nurturing that we were created? Obviously, like you said, we are created with wombs to be homes for people. How does that play out in women mm. with and without children? Yeah. And the short answer is through discipleship which I think mm. we can call spiritual mothering. And yeah. I think mothering biological children and discipling women in the Lord ought to look very, very similar. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really the same reality for Christian women. We are mm. trying to grow daughters, young mm -hmm. people, young adults, older adults, all women, into disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we can have biological children, and if they aren't following Jesus, that's a type of barrenness. Yeah. Um, and so to, to get beyond just the physical realities is so important. The fact that God says that the barren woman will have more children than the mm. woman whose womb is fruitful is, I think, a new covenant reality. Mm -hmm. And single women or women who can't have children, I think Elizabeth Elliot says something like, uh, we don't choose our gifts. And there is a gift in singleness, and there is a gift mm -hmm. in um, even not having biological children um, yeah. because there is a certain amount of single-mindedness that you bring then to your devotion to Christ and to your advancement of his, his gospel in the world. And so mm -hmm. those are not easy things that I'm saying, and, and right. I'm hoping that it doesn't sound um, oversimplified to the woman mm -hmm. who's really in a lot of pain right now, especially mm -hmm. coming from me who has five children. Um, mm -hmm. These are not easy things that I'm saying, yeah. and and I want women to hear that. Um, and grief is absolutely part of the process, and it shouldn't be denied or shoved right. down. Um, yeah. 
but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that there are beautiful, godly, Christ-honoring things that accompany singleness and that God has a purpose for. Yeah, I love that picture of that, you know, even though we do struggle, and this is something to grieve over, you know, barrenness is something to grieve over, Mm -hmm. that there is Mm -hmm. restoration for all of Mm -hmm. that in God's kingdom. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we kind of tend to only think of that redemption and that restoration as a future reality, which it absolutely is ultimately a future reality. Mm -hmm. But it's so encouraging to hear you talk about spiritual mothering in this life. And that Mm -hmm. even though, you know, that reality of being restored to a perfect, perfectly united family, that is a future reality when Christ returns, we are not without spiritual brothers and sisters and children and mothers and Mm -hmm. fathers here in this lifetime too. Mm. Right. And it just encourages us to live with eternity stamped on our eyes, right? As Jonathan Edwards says, but also Mm. I thought you did a wonderful job in your book and now of saying, you know, these things are a result of sin and we Mm. can grieve over them. And, Mm. you know, Jesus is acquainted with with grief, as it says in Isaiah, and but we should also point to Christ in that there are dimensions and aspects of the sufficiency of Christ that only a single woman can show, and there's beauty in that yes. too. I, I understand that each of us do have kids, so we don't want to be insensitive, and I, I think your book and you are doing a wonderful job of saying, no, like whoever you are, you can make God look glorious, and Mm-hmm. Those pains are seen by God, but he can also use them um, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You know, Abigail, I think it doesn't take long in this conversation about biblical womanhood to realize that biblical womanhood is countercultural. You know, yeah. I think within, you know, the first couple sentences of our, our talk, it's it's clear that what the Bible says about what it means to be a Christian woman is not what the world says. And so, you know, my question for you then is how would you encourage women of faith today to combat or even just endure those feelings of um, of not belonging, um, of feeling like the weird one or like misfits <laughs> in this world or Um, You know, I I think sometimes it can even be a stronger feeling than just not fitting in. It can be um, it can be this these feelings of intense separation and uh, conflict Mm. and tension. So what encouragement would you offer to women who are feeling that? Well, without again, without wanting to minimize any anyone's pain in that, I would go so far as to say that we should be embracing those odd misfit Mm alien feelings. I I believe that they are a gift from God. Yeah. Anything that loosens our grip on sin and our love affair with the world is a gift from God. Mm, love that. So being a misfit in the world, that is exactly what we're aiming for. Yeah. We are aliens and strangers. And here's the caution. Mm-hmm. If we feel like we fit in, that ought to scare us. Yeah. <laughs> because what if that's true? What if that's true that we fit in with the world? Mm. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so when that sense of being different or that sense of even in some ways loneliness or those misfit feelings come, 
I would, the minute they come, the minute that feeling of grief and isolation comes, pause and take a moment to revel in it (laughs) and give thanks to God Mm. for it. Mm. And think of it as his way of affirming your status as his child. Mm. He's telling you something. You belong to him. Yeah. Christ had nowhere to lay his head. Mm. Christ was not loved by the world. Mm. And when we participate in that experience, we are sharing in fellowship with Christ. It is a gift of God. So I would just, the minute they come, do not pity yourself for a moment, Mm. but take that moment to just offer it up in thanksgiving to the Lord. Mm. I'm identified with Christ. I am a daughter. Thank you. Mm. I love that. You know, I think sometimes we read these passages in scripture that say, rejoice in your suffering. And sometimes Mm. we read that and we think, what? (laughs) How? But I think that that gives some light to it of your suffering as a believer means that you are united to Christ Mm. and united to him in his suffering and in his glory as well. And yeah, I think that but that's something that we do tend to kind of get into some pity. <laughs> it can be really easy to do that or to think that if others are against us, then we're doing something wrong. Right. Um, but I love that reminder that, you know, Christ says, if the world hates you, remember that they hated me first. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. yeah that I love that perspective that you just presented. And honestly, it, it challenges me because it's not easy being countercultural, but then Jesus clearly, clearly says that the narrow way is hard and a few find it. And, you know, if mm. you're on a road where there's a lot of people and you're looking and there's no resistance, then, you know, maybe we need to stop and reevaluate, you know. Mm. Um, but it challenges me, too, because as a mom of three kids, I think it's easier for me to be okay with being a misfit or odd and but there's something in me that doesn't want my kids to be countercultural in the way of being a misfit or being odd. You want them to be accepted mm. and yeah. loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hearing your perspective on that challenged me or like really reminds me that no, like we can um, display the gospel and allow our kids to even realize that um, we're united with Christ and that might look different here on earth, but that's okay. And we can, like what I'm hearing you say is that we can embrace it and, and see it as a gift mm-hmm. from God. And so that's, that's definitely a uh, challenge for me. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you said that because I'm actually going to, you know, have a conversation with my kids about that and, and really, um, train my own mind, um, to be okay with that for, like for our family. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that kind of goes into our next question of how, if we do embrace this womanhood as depicted in the Bible, how that can impact our family dynamics and the influence that um, our family has in our community. So can you kind of talk um, and, you know, flesh that out a bit about how that could look like maybe? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think women who are in Christ, who have their feet on solid ground, who are not running away from what God has made them, Mm -hmm. that impact and influence, I don't know how we could calculate Mm -hmm. it. I I was trying to think of what some of the major markers would Mm -hmm. be 
of that. And I think the biggest one is that you would notice a lot more peace. Uh, yeah. So internal peace in the woman herself, but also I'm guessing, and I think it's true that that peace would work its way out to greater peace and stability all around mm. her, all around a Christian woman. Um, because the thing I've noticed about Christian women is that many are in turmoil inside. They're churning, they're striving. Um, and I'm not laying all the blame for that at each woman's feet. I think, you know, maybe some could own all of it, but some have reason for the confusion and the angst, maybe from bad or weird teaching on biblical womanhood, maybe for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, but my exhortation to those women would be to take up and read your Bible Talk to your husband about it if you're married. If you're not married, talk to a friend. Talk to Christian people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but take responsibility for understanding what God's Word says mm -hmm. and then submitting yourself to God in all things yeah. and get in a church that wants that kind of a member. Um, but back to your question, I think the other major change that you would see is you would see confident women. Mm. And I don't mean self-confident. I do not mean right. that, but I mean women who are confident in their God. They are confident in their place in life. They're confident in all the work God's given them to do. Mm. And they're confident in Christ and the, in the Spirit's daily help. Yeah. And I think being around a woman like that, somebody who has peace with God, peace inside, is confident in what her mission in life is. Mm. Man, she has a huge impact on the people around her. Yeah. She's confident. She's meek. She's humble. She's unflappable. She's fearless. Mm. And those women, I'll tell you what, they are glorious. Mm. I love yeah. <laughs> being around women like mm. that. I love yes, it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, those, those characteristics that you talk about, especially this this confidence you know i hear you talking about confidence in god and you know i think that in our culture there is this big focus on confidence but it is self confidence right it's confidence mm -hmm. in who we mm -hmm. are and i think that you know even though we see all of these women who are trying to affirm themselves and affirm their own strength and their own goodness and, you know, that they are a strong self-made woman and they repeat these things over and over, but there is no peace there. Um, and I think mm. that that is one of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that it's so upside down and yeah. that what the mm. world thinks that we have to be strong in ourselves, that's going to make us happy and at peace. But what makes us happy and at peace is we know that we are weak and that Christ is strong in us. And I, I love, I love hearing you saying that, that our confidence in God is strengthened when we embrace, right? What it means to be a woman, a Christian woman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think it's just so interesting to see how what we think this happens to us all the time, right? What we think is going to bring us peace and joy will do the exact opposite, right? If it's not rooted in Christ. Right. And just being careful not to twist the gospel to become a self-help gospel mm -hmm. of making it so about us and, I don't know, just thinking, oh, God made me um, so beautiful. And I don't know, I feel like there there needs to be caution there because we can do that instead of pointing to, constantly pointing to God's faithfulness and his um, unchangingness 
you know, he's unchanging and, and really, um, I don't know. I just feel like we just need to be careful not to even at within like Christian circles, um, kind of always constantly throw affirmations on each other, um, and twist the gospel to become self-serving in that yeah. way. So, right. Because that's just scratching that inner itch of striving that we have. So we yeah. have this need in ourselves to want to be something. Yeah. We, we are, yeah. we have this itch, this striving, this longing, longing. And so we just try and fill it up with, constant affirmation, constant words of approval from the people around Mm -hmm. us. And it's the complete opposite of what a confident Christian woman is because a confident Christian woman isn't confident in other people's opinions of her. (laughs) She's confident in God's work on her behalf. She's confident in who God says she is Mm -hmm. and who he is for her yes, and uh, and who he's shaping her to be. And so, yeah, I do think it, it is really discouraging to try and go down that path of seeking affirmation and approval, even from other Christian people. Yeah. Man, it's exhausting. Yeah. And Christian women need to just settle it now. Like, I'm not going down that yes. road. <laughs> I'm going to live for the glory of God mm-hmm. alone and let people's opinions be what they are. I of course, be accountable to Christians in your life if you're doing something crazy and they're like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but I just mean don't live for the approval of right. of men or women. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, Abigail, you kind of mentioned um, a few minutes ago, I know this is kind of changing directions a little bit, but you kind of mentioned, you know, the um, those women who who are single. And, you know, I think that you know, when we look back to God creating Adam and Eve, we can see well, Eve was made as a helper for Adam. So what does that mean for the single woman, right? So I'm mm-hmm. wondering, you know, if there are single women who are thinking, well, if that was the point of women to be a helper, then then what what role do I have? Um, am, I, am I not living out the fullness of being a woman if I am single? And what, what encouragement or advice would you have for those single women? I don't think that single women should throw out the idea of being a helper just mm-hmm. because they aren't married. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's what, that's the reason God gives for why he made mm-hmm. women. Um, and so don't throw it out and don't think that because you aren't married that that isn't an essential part of what God made you for. Mm-hmm. But you just aren't going to be helping a husband the same way a wife is. Right. Um, and so, it, again, this is hard to talk about because it's not something that I'm living. Right. But I want to be so clear about this. We need single women. Mm-hmm. We need them. It's not just like, oh, they're nice. They are needed yeah. essential parts of our body. And Paul says that we are members of one another. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know who completes you or who you complete in the sense of what we saw in the picture of Adam and Eve, it's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. We complete each other. We need each other. We're not optional. And single women have wisdom and insight and help to give to the rest of yeah. us. And we want to include you, single women, yeah. and fold you into us. But even more than that, we want to learn from yes. you, <laughs> not just as not just what your experience is like as a single woman, mm. 
We want to learn from you as we learn from Christ. Mm -hmm. We want to learn from you the things you're learning from Christ. We want your advice. We want your wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure there are some women out here who are thinking, well, that sounds nice, but I don't hear anyone in my church saying that to me. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, if the people around you, um, if you don't think they are wanting your advice or wisdom, um, if you don't feel that they see you as a vital part of God's body, then I would encourage you to stay the course of walking humbly and obediently with mm. Christ. Yeah, Don't let bitterness take root. Um, what comes to my mind is uh, Paul's instructions to Timothy mm-hmm. when he told Timothy, don't let anyone despise you because you're young, but set an example mm-hmm. for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong to apply that verse to say that sometimes your life circumstance, mm-hmm. like singleness, tempts some people to look down on you. Mm-hmm. And the way to combat that isn't by... Um, kind of elbowing in, and it isn't by growing bitter, Mm -hmm. but it's through setting an example, both in words, so have some conversations, and in conduct. Mm. I just, I beg you, single women, do that for us. We need you. Mm. That also makes me think of, you know, I know that in 1 Peter 3, we see instructions to women who are married to unbelieving husbands, and the instruction to them is to to submit to their husbands as they submit to God. And you know, even though this is a passage written to wives, I I heard that same idea in what you were saying. Single women, even if you are surrounded by people who are not valuing you or who are looking down on you, submit to God and be an example mm. and walk in holiness and continue to submit to what to, to what he has called you to. And I think that, you know, those instructions are are for all of us, you know, that yeah. the book of 1 Peter is about submitting to one another as we submit mm-hmm. to God. And so uh, I think that that applies to single women as well. Um, which which kind of leads into our next question. And what what is the role of submission in biblical womanhood, whether that's in the context of marriage or in the context of the local church? And then um, kind of as a little sidebar to that, how do we tend to submit to the wrong things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, submission can't be left out of this conversation right. <laughs> um, for any Christian, like you yeah. said, because submission is the mark of Christians, period. Mm-hmm. We submit to God, every last one of us. Yeah. We yeah. submit to his book. And so women and men are called to submit to their local church elders. Yeah. That's a, a call that we all have. And for married women, we're called to submit to our own husbands. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that looks like willingly placing yourself under the authority of another. Yeah. That's that's how I define submission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not becoming a slave. It's not ceasing to have a brain. Right. <laughs> it's not shelving every opinion and idea and initiative that you have. It very simply means receiving the care and provision, both physical and spiritual, that your husband is hopefully wanting to give. Right. Um, I think it means enjoying his leadership. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it means not enjoying his leadership, but humbly receiving it anyway and recognizing that it is Christ who we're ultimately submitting to. 
And, you know, the one caveat I always feel I have to make is I do not mean submitting to sin. Yeah. Not ever. Right. Um, But simply when there's a disagreement about which course to take, neither course being sinful, um, it's our job as the wife to our husband to eventually yield in faith once we've um, had the conversations Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. have listened to what he has to say and have said what we have to say. At some point, a decision has to be made about something, and we submit. Right, we submit in faith to God, mm-hmm. and it's His job to love you through His decision. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of how I would describe the submission in the context of marriage. Um, in terms of how we tend to submit to the wrong wrong things, mm-hmm. I I do think it's interesting that at least in my life, uh, I think that. The submission problem most women have is actually that they submit too much, Mm. not to their husbands, but too much to the rules and regulations given to us by the Mm -hmm. world. So from food laws to candle rules to cleaning regulations (laughs) and so many more things that we all could name. Uh, very yes. quickly, <laughs> uh, many women have removed the category of, I would say, faith, living by faith mm. from their daily life. Mm. Um, and I don't mean living on a wing in a prayer, like uh, not <laughs> counting the cost of the decisions that you make. That's not what I mean by by faith. I mean it the way the Bible talks about it. Mm. Um, and so a lot of women will ask themselves if they're doing things the right way, according to what the world has told them is right. Mm rather than seek to do all things by faith. So, you know, let's take making dinner for an example. Um, There are women who are tied up in knots over whether the ingredients in the food are right. Mm. And it's not wrong to want to use healthy ingredients. That's a good thing to want to do. Right. But what's wrong is the emphasis. So rather than ask yourself, "Did did I use the right ingredients or did I use the right medicine or did I clean with the best products mm-hmm. and be angsty inside and worried and and trying to submit to many different gurus all over yeah. the place that are saying different things. Yeah. Instead, I think we should ask, was all that I did done in mm, love? Yeah. Did I fold the clothes today with humility? Yeah. Did I make the supper with gratitude? Mm. In other words, doing everything by faith to the glory of God, not being bogged down by a million rules. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And you're so right. We do so easily. You know, we we tend to push back against the idea of submission. Like, oh, I don't I don't want to submit, but we all do. <laughs> and we submit to mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of the expectations and we submit to the style of parenting that's going to make us the best mom or the organic food and you know all of these things that you're right it's important to consider them but why are we doing them right even things like what fashions that we will or won't wear Mm -hmm. all kinds of things and I I kind of laugh about how we all talk about Leviticus we Uh all talk about Leviticus like oh God is so particular and all these (laughs) rules what on earth and then we carry around in our pockets our phones the biggest rule books that have ever existed in the world, more rules and regulations than you could, that that are much more than what are in the book of Leviticus, and some of them much odder too. And I just think, man, we are blind Mm. to ourselves. Yeah, Yeah. man. And it's just that twisted notion of, 
the idea that, oh, like some people might think Christianity has so many rules and they kind of oppose it because they don't want to be quote unquote oppressed and they want freedom, but then they mm-hmm. don't realize that they're enslaved to the world mm-hmm. and yeah. um, mm-hmm. worldliness can kind of transform us and enslave us. And, and it says that, right? The yeah. that slave wants mm-hmm. or sin wants you um, to become a slave to its passions and its desires and we have to master it and stuff. So I love that mm-hmm. conversation. And it, even for me to realize, um, you know, as are what I'm like putting my energy and my thoughts and things to, are they about stewardship, you know, and stewarding and wanting to be God honoring and all of these things, Mm. or has it become an idol? You know, am I submitting to it? Am I idolizing these things? And and Mm -hmm. it could be silly things. Like you kind of mentioned like organic foods or what am I feeding my kids or, you know, the nitty gritty of things. But so there's just this like, fine line and that we have to really I feel like daily kind of evaluate like okay is my are my motives like honoring the Lord yeah moment by moment have to evaluate (laughs) Mm -hmm. and in line with that I think um our churches can and our community of believers can kind of help us in um keeping the right perspective on things, right? And and so what role do you think the local church has in helping us embrace biblical womanhood and even protecting it and celebrating it? Mm. Yeah, the local church is everything when it comes to this, mm-hmm. everything. Because Christian women must have a home in the local church and they must find uh, they need not only the strength to keep giving thanks to God for making him as he, he did, mm-hmm. But they, like you said, they also need protection from the world who hates what God has made and hates the women who embrace Mm, it. And so the commitment to all of God's words in the local church, including his design of woman, it must be more than acquiesced to. Mm. So I'll explain that a little. Many women tolerate God's words to women. Mm. They tolerate that God says through Paul regarding the governance of the local church, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And so they read those kinds of words. They don't deny them, Mm. but they just don't like them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And some men actually feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Some are embarrassed by that teaching or they they feel like they're going to get in a lot of trouble with women if they say it very much, (laughs) (laughs) or they just don't see why it's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think if we have a generation that is merely tolerating God's teaching, Mm -hmm. it means that the next generation will likely do away with the toleration and just outright Mm -hmm. disagree with God. So women must know in the local church, (laughs) that God's design of male and female isn't punishment. Mm. It's for our good. His instructions to men and women aren't punishments. They aren't arbitrary. They're for our good. And his design for men and women, it needs to be more than tolerated. Mm -hmm. We must Thank God for it. And not just because we're gutting out our thanks, Mm -hmm. but because we've actually tasted and seen that his ways are good. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to say in the local church with whole and happy hearts, with men and women looking at each other and in community with each other and in fellowship as brothers and sisters, 
this God, his way is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's what Christian women do. And that's what the local church has to cultivate yeah. a sense that God is not arbitrary. He is not capricious. He does not do bad things to mm. women. He loves us. He's designed us for in a good way. Yeah. And it's for our good. And so loving it rather than tolerating it is essential. Mm -hmm. I, I can't say it enough. It's essential. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it mm -hmm. is so our tendency to kind of minimize those aspects of what scripture says to us as women or to even hide them or even just flat out reject them, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. use, mm -hmm. oh, it's a different time to completely erase the heart behind what what is being said in these passages and i love that you know if we if we see that god is good and that his ways have always been good why would this be any different mm -hmm. um i think that's just an yes. important reminder for us like you said to to look at all of scripture and because that's where we know God is in his word. And when we see in all of scripture that he is good and that he is faithful and that he is kind and that he is sovereign and has good in mind, <laughs> then we can trust mm -hmm. that in the places where maybe we would otherwise not not want to trust those things because we know that right. God is always when it goes safe. against. Yeah. Yeah. It goes against our natural tendency. Mm -hmm. And yet. Once we get to know God, we realize that he's so much better than what we would have done for ourselves. Yeah. His ways are so much better. Mm -hmm. And some of us have to learn that the hard way, um, but it is absolutely true. And I think the more we press in to it in every area of our life, the more we see how true it is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I just love that. The idea of embracing it and striving to live it and protect it um, within the local church even like so embracing the single women and the married women mm -hmm. and just knowing that by embracing our distinctiveness and our our value um, that is as a local church as a body of believers together um really living the way that God had intended the local church and the body of believers to live together as celebrating and embracing and, and letting, I love that word you use cultivating that's in order to um, really live out what he wanted us to be um, mm -hmm. not just as women, but as a, as believers together, men and women in the yes. local church. <laughs> Okay, Abigail, well, we are just so grateful for all of your insight that you've given us and just the wisdom that you've shared and just what yeah. a joy it really is to walk in biblical womanhood and that it's it's not a burden, it's not oppression, but it's God's best for us. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as we close out, we have three just fun questions we'd like to ask every guest on the show. So the first question we have for you is, what is currently on your nightstand? Yeah, this one, this question makes me laugh because I don't have a nightstand. Um, oh, really? <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Uh, that but is. I'll use it as an opportunity to mention um, what is in the place of my nightstand, okay. which is uh, my youngest son's bed. So oh. our, our youngest son, Titus, who he has special needs, his bed uh -huh. is um, right up against our bed uh, in our room. And so I'm all hemmed in by... Titus in his bed on one side and my husband on the other. Yeah. Um, and so I don't That's have sweet. a nightstand, but 
Titus is better than a nightstand. So I agree. <laughs> right? just, oh, I'd take the sweet little guy any day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you have your most precious gift right there. <laughs> yep, that's right. But so I do end up accumulating a pile of books at the end of the bed okay, sometimes. Yeah. And that's funny. Um that there's always this giant pile of books scattered around yeah. the end of the bed or wh- wherever. But usually most of my reading is stuff for school right now. So a okay. lot of theology books. How fun. Right. Very fun. <laughs> we love that kind of stuff. So Yeah. <laughs> well, what's one thing you can't live without? I'm going to give a very... A very blood earnest answer because <laughs> I am by nature a blood earnest person, really annoyingly <laughs> so. And so I'll just give you my truthful answer. It was the only thing that came to my mind. And it's what we want. Uh-huh. It's the truth. <laughs> I could not live without God's word, without his mm-hmm. presence and without him. So yeah. that's that was yep. the only thing I could think Amen. of. And it's Amen. true. <laughs> Amen. Yes. <laughs> okay. What is one resource? This could be a book. It could be a experience, a person um, that has most stirred your affection for God's word. Yeah, this one's easy. Uh, pastor John Piper. Uh, pastor mm-hmm. John was my pastor from the middle of college, age 20, all the way up through the birth of our fifth child. And oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. It seems uh, like an impossible task to try and express how his teaching and preaching of the word of God shaped really us, not just me, but um, my husband and I and our whole family. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I have been an, as I said, an earnest person about the Lord from mm-hmm. very young. I would say about the age of 11, God just awakened me to want his word and to read it Mm. and to love it. Um, But listening to John for all those years reminded me in some very hard seasons when it would have been really easy to just put God's word aside that I could not do that Mm. and that God's word was and is life. And I think a big part of why it was so powerful for us is that he didn't just preach it. He lived it. Um, he Mm -hmm. loves God's word and he's serious about it with every cell of his being and that sort of seriousness about God's word and the joy that's found in knowing Christ as Lord and being satisfied by him, it is contagious. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's just deeply, deeply changing for, for me and I Mm. will never, I will never get over it and I will never stop giving thanks for pastor John. (laughs) Yeah. I love John Piper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From afar, I'm like, I can, you know, feel that love and affection and it's contagious even from afar, you know, his mm-hmm. his love for God's word. So I yeah. can't even imagine being shepherded by him, mm-hmm. like actually physically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Abigail, just thank you so much. It's been an absolute pre- pleasure and a blessing to chat with you today. And I can personally say that Your book was a breath of fresh air, and I just so appreciated your resolve to stand Mm. firm on the faith and to boldly speak on a topic that, you know, to boldly speak truth on a topic that so desperately needs to hear it um, today. So it has really encouraged me not only to embrace God's design for me, but to also enjoy it. So I Mm. thank you so much for Mm. um, just your ministry, your heart, and this new book that you have um, put out. Mm -hmm. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This has just been a delight. 
Yes, absolutely. And thank you everyone for for listening in today. I hope that you were blessed by this conversation as much as we were. Um, And you can always find our show notes at dailygracepodcast.com. And if you know someone who might be encouraged by this episode, we would really love for you to share it with them. So we will talk to you once again next Tuesday. 